Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This is your host, Tim Kanak. You're going to find me on X. That's right, Leaning Full X, because nobody else is. Somebody has to. <laughs> Somebody's got to back Elon at Fantasy Baseball. And uh, you can find my written stuff over on Fantasy Pros and Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Uh, Fantasy Bros has all the dynasty stuff, as Raymond and I were just discussing. First-year player draft rankings are on there, because Raymond is in a first-year player draft right now. And then I've got a bunch of other stuff on there on Fantasy Bros. And then on Friends of Fantasy Benefits, that is where you will find the F-scores if you are looking for those. With us today, we have, like I mentioned, Raymond Atherton, at Raymond Atherton. What up, Raymond? What up? How's work? Dude, I spent like seven and a half hours in a car today. And then in between driving, I just counted light bulbs. So it was exhilarating. <laughs> My numbing stuff. <laughs> and with us also, we have Jake Holland at Jake Baseball 17. What's up, Jake? Hey, what's going on, Tim? What's going on, Raymond? What's up? What Not up? What too up? much. Just ready to talk some baseball. We got some moves. My God. A Boris Klein signed. Cody Bellinger back to Chicago on a little baby deal. Still getting paid 30 mil a year, or at least for the first two years. So take that for a baby deal. But uh, back to Chicago and PCA, blue hair, back to the minors. He was hitting good too this spring. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, no, I was actually shocked to see that, you know, he was going to get sent back compared to, you know, everyone else that they had on their, on their roster. And, I don't know if they could maybe find a spot for him in the outfield, but, you know, they have Ian Happ, they have, say, Suzuki. Um, I mean, they're DH, but they would want him to play the outfield. So I don't see any reason they'd put him at their DH unless you put, you know, Happ or Suzuki there. So unless some room clears, I, I guess, I don't know how else they can shuffle him in that lineup. It'd be so interesting to see some, like, Bellinger arbitrage this year where the Cubs are not going to make the playoffs and they just trade him at the deadline. That would be wild. <laughs> Raymond, we were talking about the Cubs with Gabe, of course, in our chat because Gabe is obsessed. But the Cubs, they signed a bunch of vets, too, besides Belly. They signed Garrett Cooper, David Peralta, Dominic Smith. I told you I think the Cooper move is going to matter and that I think Michael Bush is either going to get pushed to third or he's going to – something's going to happen there. I don't think he's – I think he might end up being a super util guy because I think – Cooper, like Cooper's pretty solid last year. And when he's healthy, he's always good. The problem is he's never healthy. I mean, he's never great, but he's good. And I think he's got a head start on that first base job with Peralta, maybe like a fifth outfielder if he makes a team. Dom Smith is probably toast, especially with them bringing Cooper on now. But what do you think, Raymond, with all these old guys and Bush? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I heard that the Cooper contract was just a minor league deal. So I'm. I don't think that's going to matter a tremendous amount, but yeah, I don't know that whoever wins that last roster spot is going to matter, whether it's Cooper or uh, Patrick Wisdom or whoever. I don't know. I don't think they would have traded two 19-year-old prospects for Michael Bush if they weren't going to play him. I think those guys are just insurance. And uh, the, the PCA thing is interesting because, like, Elite defense can get you to the majors in certain instances. Look at, you know, your Cardinals, Tim, at shortstop. And the problem is Cody Bellinger is also really good at defense. So, like, it doesn't matter. And he can play two positions. 
Yeah, I mean, well, if you think about it, the way they would really probably like maximize this roster is to have PCA come up and then just maybe do like some sort of rotation where well, he's you, playing center field, Bellinger can play right, Say it can take some days off in DH or move to left or whatever. And then Ian Happ, I wonder if he's still got the old second base glove in his bag and you could move some other guys around the diamond if you're doing that. Bush can play some well, third. So Maybe Mor like you were mentioning Morell's not that good defensively, so why is Morell going to be slotted at third? But Gabe was saying that they really want Morell to be a third baseman, I guess. So maybe they'll force it, but we'll see. Yeah, so, I mean, I get the best way to do it would be, yeah, make Morell full-time third base, DH Suzuki, move Cody Bellinger to a corner, and then just let Pete Crow Armstrong play center field. That's right. Um, so next move, Jamon. To the Red Sox, it looks like they're talking. I don't know. Uh, who who do you think signs first, Snell or Montgomery? Jake. Montgomery. Really? You always ask Jake first. Jake is in the top. Jake came into Jake came into Jake came into the room first, around. Raymond. Whoever comes into the room first gets preference for the whole podcast. <laughs> hey, we could switch it up, Raymond. Yeah, I'll just I'll. Uh... I keep seeing stuff pop up about snow though, and the Yankees talks and how they keep growing. But then um, I also saw something today that the Yankees offered Snell a contract and he turned it down or Boris turned it down. And, you know, we're already in the spring training. So I don't, I don't know when they're going to sign. Yeah. JD Martinez apparently turned down a contract offer from the giants too. So mm -hmm. interesting to see. I mean, these guys are going to sign. They're too good to not play somewhere this year. It's just a matter of time. Uh, Nick Ahmed to the Giants on a minor league deal. Brandon Crawford to the Cardinals on a major league deal, actually. So I guess he's sticking around. Cardinals trying to put together the oldest roster in the history of mankind. <laughs> <laughs> like Jake sent me a thing on Twitter saying, uh, John, uh, John was Eliak running to whenever he hears Madison Bumgarner and who else was it? <laughs> Joey Votto. Yeah, Joey hey, Joey Votto's still up there. If you want all the veteran presence, dude, don't even get me started. There. I would take Joey Votto nine times out of ten over Matt Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, but Matt uh, Carpenter means so much more. He just makes good <laughs> salsa. <laughs> and then, and then we had this weird little transaction where the Dodgers wanted to bring Kike back, of course, and when they did, they had to clear room on the roster, so they traded Margot. And I don't even, the Twins are eating Margot's whole salary, which is like $8 million or something like that. So that's not even like a small amount for a backup outfielder. So that's kind of interesting. But I guess Twins, the Twins had to have some sort of insurance for Buxton. So I suppose this makes sense that if Buxton, they're expecting, oh, Buxton's going to be healthy center fielder this year. He, the gold glove form coming back. But if he gets hurt, then you've got Margot to run around back there. So not the worst move, I guess. I've also heard some rumors like the platoon. Have you heard about like Matt Wolner and Margot? Maybe if Buxton stays healthy for that time being, but I don't know. I, I like Wolner. I'd, I'd love to see him get every day playing time. They do have yeah, a lot of injury prone guys though too. I mean, they also have Kirk uh, Kirloff and Santan. They got some injury question marks. So yeah, can't hurt. Sense. I mean, it's a it's a big salary really for Margot, but it can't hurt. Yeah, injuries. Uh, Kodai Senga. It, it just gets worse. <laughs> Anytime there's an arm or shoulder, uh, he's not going to, he got a PRP injection and he's not going to throw for at least three weeks. And most people are saying it sounds like a June return is like the best case scenario for Senga right now. And that shoulder. Um, I don't know. What are you doing with Senga? How far are you dropping him right now, Jake? I guess we're probably not going to get to where 
he will be in this podcast because we're only planning to do like the first three or four tiers of starting pitchers. So like what range would you throw him in since we're probably not going to get down that way? I think it's telling that we're not going to get to him today. Um, you know, and we're going through about what four tiers. Um, and so he might mm-hmm. even slot into the end of the fifth, the sixth. I mean, the more we're hearing about, like you said, the more we're getting weird of it. So um, if this is a guy that's only going to pitch half the season, Max Scherzer is about in that range. You know, there's guys that are going to be coming back halfway through the season. Jeffrey Springs is another guy I like that's going to be projected to come back around the summertime as well. So, you know, if I'm taking my chances with guys that have already gotten the injury, repaired from the injury, I might, you know, pivot and go for guys like that. Kershaw. Kershaw, Kershaw Bobby yeah. Ray, Luis yep. Garcia. There's a lot of them. Uh, Raymond, what do you think? How far are you dropping Senga, and are you drafting any of these those other guys that we just named ahead of him? I mean, most of most of the drafts that we have left are either risk adverse, like TGFBI or Dynasty Keeper League. So um, those are kind of anomalies, I guess I'd say. I wouldn't really touch them in redraft. I just think I think you can use your draft capital in smarter ways, but post draft, if you can just pick people up and stash them on your DL or IL. I'd be in on that and certain deep leagues, but I don't know. There's a difference between being hurt right now and just like drafting a guy with injury risk. So I'm probably just, I don't know. There's better ways to use your resources. Yeah. Matt Brash is apparently hurt right now. I don't know how bad, but apparently he's not throwing. They shut him down for quote unquote arm issues. Very specific injury right It's spring training. He's probably just a little sore. Okay, so you're not – your Matt Brash drafting is not being affected whatsoever. I didn't say that. I don't know. (laughs) What are you dropping, one round? Like just depends. He's he's going around like 280 or something, I think, right now in drafts. Yeah, so So. that late, that's not too bad. But – like, I almost didn't take Matt McClain in the sixth round earlier because he already has an oblique injury. In the sixth like, round. <laughs> he just, you're in the fourth right now in mind. That's wild, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, spring notes. Cole Reagan's throwing 101 miles per hour right now. <laughs> so, that's fun. <laughs> Jane, uh, the, the hype is real. The hype is, like, Reagan's is just... I don't know. He's going to climb. Like Raymond is in TGFBI with Nick Pollock, and he told me that he drafted him as an ace. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. If you've been hearing <laughs> any of the pitcher list podcasts and the way Nick's been talking about him this offseason. James Woods is- and Tamar Johnson, two homers a pop. So interesting stuff there from some prospects. Casey Mize is throwing 97 earlier. I doubt Termar Johnson plays in the majors this year. James Wood will probably come up for a cup of coffee. If he plays for longer than that, I'd be very shocked. He would have to really just destroy spring. Like if he hits like uh-huh. 10 homers this spring, then maybe they have to. I don't know. But what what else do they need it for? You know, like the like the Nationals aren't playing for anything. Are they not going to try to use the incentive with Wood? Yeah. I think I think they just bring him and Cruz up at the same time next year. And try to like Start Rangers fresh. it basically. Yeah. They're yep. gonna they're gonna try to be one year behind the Rangers or something. Uh Sal Frelick playing third. We mentioned that last podcast and already has two steals from third base. So basically he's just taking over Tyler Black's entire uh MO <laughs> at this point. <laughs> the Brewers. 
Uh, Andrew Haney, possible bounce back for Haney. Five Ks in his first start after a pretty rough year last year. You buying any Haney, Haney Raymond? Uh, an NLI, maybe. <laughs> Jake? He's a roller coaster pitcher. If you, you see him doing good, you buy him, and it's a steep drop off, right? When you invest in Haney. Every time I've done it in the past, he's, he's just one of those guys that you just can't trust for long periods of time. Rangers Streamer. need this year. That, that rotation is. That rotation needs innings. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kyle Harrison, strong spring start, four Ks and zero walks for Kyle Harrison. Look, money. What do you think about Harrison? Oh, I love Harrison. I, I think he, he has a, a, a spot to be kind of with one of the tiers that we talk about later today with some of those young upside guys. Maybe not this year, but the upside for him, if he gets his control down and the K upside he has is, you know, it, it can move him up towards the middle of the year and then especially going into next year. And so the time to buy him would, would probably be now. Yeah. Uh, Tyler McGill, hype train. Talk about hype. Like Cole Reagans and Tyler <laughs> Tyler McGill are like the two guys. Apparently he's throwing two splitters, two different types of splitters. His slider is up six miles per hour this year. Uh, so are you in on McGill, Raymond? No, not really. Um I don't know. I don't buy like two innings in spring as a difference maker. It could be a tiebreaker if you're deciding between a couple of people, but no, I'm not. Jake, you buying? I mean, he's probably going to get I'm innings. So, I mean, if you're in a, in a deep league, you know, and you need innings like in an NL, NL only or like a, a 15 team or something really deep like that. Sure. I mean, we've seen the upside from him before he can get strikeouts. I'll say the the slider increase doesn't do too much. We saw Reed Detmers come in with an increased slider. And it just depends on how it, it works with his mechanics, I think, when it comes to pitching. Yeah, I have an well, only draft it... tomorrow. Oh, me too. I'm in that league. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome. I joined that league. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Reed Detmers. Reed Detmers also apparently is working on a slider. Talking about sliders uh, mm -hmm. and Detmers. Apparently he 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 is trying to fix his slider mechanics to get back to where he was before last year. Uh, Slade Sichoni, here's a name for you. Four Ks, one walk as he competes for the five spot in the D backs rotation against Ryan Nelson. So he might have the edge right now. So if you're in a super deep league, Slade Sichoni, it's a pretty sweet name. Can't go wrong with the Slade. Uh, Sean Sean Bouchard likely to start for the Rockies in right field. So. <laughs> there you go. There's an old name out of a hat. And Dominic Fletcher likely to start for the White Sox, too. So they traded for him for a reason. You don't trade a top pitching prospect for nothing, I guess. Even though Fletcher's a 26-year-old, like <laughs> kind of like a one of those quadruple A type guys. Like he should hit for a decent average. Might be okay mm -hmm. again in like a DC or a super deep league where you just need a you know seventh outfielder or whatever for your bench. So Let's get to TGFBI. Monsieur Raymond, where are you at? What's your team look like? I am in my bedroom at my desk where I work. <laughs> don't tell and... me. Don't tell me if you have pants on or not. <laughs> um, I I started. I had the fifteen pick, and 
I took Bryce Harper and Corbin Burns at the turn. That uh, Burns pick was, I don't know, I wouldn't say it was hard, but I passed up on, like, Jose Ramirez, Medals, and Francisco Lindor, Austin Riley. Like, there's some good hitters there. But um, there was a nice little pitcher run. So, like, the next starting pitcher after Burns was Logan Webb, is who I would have been left with. So I'm pretty glad I snagged an ace. So then I went Harper Burns, Devin Williams, Adelise Garcia, Yuri Perez, Matt McLean. And now we're like four picks into round seven. Wait, Harper Burns, Devin Williams, Adelise. Adelise Garcia, Yuri, Yuri Perez, Matt McLean. Yuri and McLean. That's pretty solid, bro. I wish I could get Matt McClain that late. I'm so jealous. I couldn't even I couldn't even get him in the fourth. He's already gone <laughs> and I'm in the middle of the fourth. Makes me so sad. And that's my boy. Jake, what's your team look like? Yeah, I had the uh, second pick going into it. Um, I was really hoping the guy would just like forget Acuna was there, you know, be the one TGFBI league where Acuna <laughs> goes to. Um, unfortunately it didn't happen, so I got J Rod at the two. Um, I like that. I we talked about him on the outfield preview i think he's got really high uh floor and upside with a 40 40 potential so um i like that to kick off my team uh looped back around and got uh vladimir guerrero i was really contemplating with going j-rod and ellie de la cruz he was still there and um ellie de la cruz and gunner were still there and i was like okay if i don't get one of them i'll get vlad and just loop back with one of them the guy that had the one pick went ellie de la cruz and gunner and so I had to pivot. I wanted to get second base. Every single mock I've done, I've sucked at second base. So I got Marcus Simeon. Um, Ozzy Albies had already gone. Um, and on the other loop, got Nolan Jones and Aaron Nola. So that's where I'm at right now. Nice. I like Simeon in the third. That's kind of a steal. <laughs> yeah, I Altuve was still there too. And... I just got influenced by, I think, looking at the ADP. I was just trying to make a pick. I'm trying to be one of the quicker pickers in the in the league just to get it moved on. Um, <laughs> what are you, a paper towel commercial? The quicker picker Quick picker upper? Picker. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm the picker upper, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, we had an insane pitcher run um, in the fourth round. I think all but three picks were pitchers. And so I didn't have a pitcher by then. Nolan Jones was still up there, and I wanted to get a good outfield. And um, I think, you know, it's a guy that had 20-20 in hitting cores. Um, and I was able to get Nola. If it wasn't Nola, it probably would have been like Yuri or Bobby Miller who went later in that round too. So I'm just not going to get saves. I've kind of like all the good saves guys, the top like 10 relievers are gone. And so I'm just going to scrape the barrel like I always do and, and Roto feels like. Yeah, I feel you. This, this is the weird – I'll tell you. Like, I've done a few drafts already this offseason, and this is the weirdest one I've been a part of, I want to say. Just the way that, like, some guys are going super high that you wouldn't – they're not normally going that high. And then sometimes there's just guys that are, like, there still, and you're like, why? <laughs> like, we, is there something we, I don't know? We had Spencer Strider go the sixth pick overall on ours, and I thought that was really high. For, I've never seen a pitcher go that high in any mock I've done. 
he's been going. He's been going there, and like I've been doing, a, I've done a few DCs, and really? he's been going there in those. He went, he went nine in mine, and Cole went fourteen. That's crazy, dude. I heard the CBS guys talking about that, and they said Cole didn't go to like 24, 23, 24 overall, and I think it was Frank Stamples. Like what? That's crazy. That's bananas. You know, I can't. <laughs> we'll talk about mine in a second, but like I'm thinking right. right now that your guys' values. I'm just looking. I think that your value, Raymond, on McLean, that might be the like you might have the the best pick on that, like the best McLean value of anyone. Six round McLean. Well, I mean it's six one, so don't let the six go to your head. It's basically yeah. like the end of round five. Yeah, I um, guess so. No, I like my team though. It's pretty balanced. Like. Going that Garcia pick, I really thought about. I kind of wanted to take another starter, like Glassnow was there, or Aaron Noah, or Nolan Jones. I looked at, but um, I don't there's know. so many Garcia good starters hit, later, though. Like, you're Garcia really hit good. like 48 home runs between the regular season and playoffs last year. Like, like, just banking counting stats. All right, I'm gonna put you guys to the test right now. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do a little face off, and you, I just thought of this, so you don't you don't know what's coming. In my league, I'm picking from the seven hole, which is where I've picked in every single draft, like real draft that I've done this season for some reason. Just I always get seven in the Kentucky Derby style, and I've gotten Mookie Betts in every single draft that I've done, real draft, and Mookie Betts went in the third in my draft. Paul Spore picked him in the third, so I ended up going Fernando Tatis Jr. With that seven pick, and I could have picked Strider. Strider fell all the way to the tenth pick in mine. That's actually the first I seen him fall. Um, but I went to Tease in the first. And Raymond, your typing's really loud. <laughs> and then, and then in this in the second, I went Corbin Burns. So Corbin Burns came all the way back to me in the second, which actually shocked me quite a bit. Um, and then in the third round, I was really looking at Ellie and Gunner, and I I really I wanted Ellie more. Because I, I just was really into And I almost picked Ellie with my second. I Like, if Burns didn't fall to me, I would have picked Ellie so fast, too, right after him. But Ellie fe- came all the way back around, almost back to me in the third. Like, two picks in front of me. And then he went. And I got my hopes up. So I went Gunner in the third, which I'm cool with, so because I love Gunner. But, like, I, it would have just been so fun to have a Tatis and Ellie combo on the same team. Uh, <laughs> that's so fun, I almost did in the second. So right now, I'm on the clock in the fourth round. And we're going to do this pick live. So I really wanted Devin Williams. And the guy in front of me just sniped him. That's who I wanted in this pick. Uh, McLean's gone. Because like when I, basically, when I, after my third pick, these are my, were the targets I had. I had Royce Lewis, Yoshi Yamamoto, Matt McLean, and Devin Williams. And all four of them are gone. So this is where this leaves me. We have on my draft board... Emmanuel Classe, Josh Hader, and then Nolan Jones and Adelise Garcia. Jake picking Nolan Jones in the fourth and Raymond picking <laughs> Adelise in the fourth. <laughs> that is hysterical. <laughs> so I want, I want right now what we're going to do, Raymond, you're going to try to sell me on Adelise over Nolan Jones. And then Jake, you're going to try to sell me on Nolan Jones over Adelise. Which of you wants to start? And then if, if one of you thinks I should pick the closer, then just tell me I should pick the closer. 
Raymond, um, you wanted to go first. You got it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of just want to tell you to pick the closer because you're either going to end up with like Pete Fairbanks as your RP1 or Jordan Romano or something, or you're just going to keep waiting like Jake is and nobody wants to play that game. Uh, um, I've been so in every DC I've done, I've gotten Andres Munoz in the fifth round. And I like Munoz a lot. He won the six in mine. So, I mean, if, if that gives you any safety net. He's still a free agent of mine. I might double dip closer if one of those guys. Alexis Diaz is still free. Is still out there too if he comes back. Okay. But this isn't. So this before isn't about we me. get bef- um, yeah before we get to the outfield debate. One second. Let's debate cl- which closer first, Classe or Hater? Because Hater. I yeah, I like well, Hater better, but I'm kind of scared that Presley's going to jack saves from him. I don't I think don't. it's going to be too no, I think it's going mean, to be on days pencil. where he's been. Yeah, it, like if he's been used too many days in a row, then I think Presley's going to get some, or if Hater or works if a really heavy lefty eighth inning. Yeah, but you don't pay a guy seventy or eighty million dollars or whatever they did and not make him your closer. Yeah. What about the Crawford um, boxes? I mean, you think righties are just going to smash him in the Crawford boxes? Well, two things about Class A: one, he doesn't get strikeouts, and two. He's but he gets probably a shitload of saves gonna, every year. He's probably <laughs> going to get traded. And yes, you can say no matter where he goes, he's going to be a closer. But that's not always true. So I would just take Hater because it's safer. Okay. Also, also having the most blown saves last year too worries me a little bit. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm I get, uh, hearing you say, Jake, since you're an Astros fan, that Hater is going to get most of the saves makes me feel a little bit better. But like I'm just so concerned that Presley is gonna jack like a third of the saves. Then wait gonna be twelve rounds split. and take Presley too. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I give it be my third reliever or whatever backup reliever. Yeah, just make sure you handcuff him if you're really worried about it. Okay, so now what I want you to do because Jake, you picked Jones and Raymond, you picked Adelise. You're gonna do your debate and then. After that, then we can decide if I should go outfield or reliever. I want to hear this debate. Let's go. So my debate is basically that 40 homer, uh, 100 run, 100 RBI guys don't grow in trees, and he was a non-zero in steals with, you know, he's shown the ability to steal 16 two years ago, 25. I guess I messed it up. 16 and 21, 25 and 2022. Um, on a stacked offense. Um, and, like, you can get steals later in the draft. Like, I really did look at Nolan Jones, and then in 5-6, I looked at Hassan Kim and some other guys. Like, Bryson Stott's going a little bit later than that. Like, I'll take twice as many home runs and half as many steals, plus the advantages and runs and RBIs over, you know, the less power and more speed. And while I'm hearing that, Raymond. <laughs> with all due respect. With all due respect. Um, granted, in mine, Dolis Garcia went 16 picks before Nolan Jones went. He went the end of the third round in mine. But I'm not going to argue that. I'm going to give it to you straight. I think um, Nolan Jones, You didn't. if you would have gotten Ellie De La Cruz, I'd say sure. Go Dolis Garcia. Get the power. Uh, but Gunner's not going to get as many stolen bases. Um, and so if you want to recoup some of those stolen bases you could have gotten with Ellie, they 
that you don't have with Gunner. I know Gunner's going to get some. Um, but if you're trying to make a balanced team, he's outfield eligible. He might get first base eligibility as well. I think that's appealing. You know, if Chris Bryant can't stay healthy, they got to move Nolan Jones to first. You gain first base eligibility and you get a little bit more flexible too. Um, that's what I saw when I drafted Gun or uh, with Nolan Jones as well. Um, I just like the overall balance of it. You know, you can get a guy that can go 20-20, I think, on the low end, and then, you know, 30-25 on the high end. And so, yeah, he's he hit, he's in a bad lineup. I don't care. He's, he's, he's going to drive in runs. Someone's going to have to, and it's going to be this dude. Maybe not as much as Adolis. He's not as jacked as Adolis, but, you know, Nolan Jones. Raymond, do you have a counter? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I don't know. I was going to argue the home away <laughs> thing, but I really do like, like Joe Biden, Jones. dude. <laughs> like I said, I was going to, I really was going to take him. But I mean, if you pace out his his stats, he would have went what, like 26, 26? Almost 30, but, 30, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just don't – I don't know. I don't think you can easily replicate what you can get in Adelise Garcia a few rounds later, but you could basically get Nolan Jones and, what, like Brian Reynolds-ish kind of. Brian Reynolds is Nolan Jones light maybe. Yeah, just not, but, as, not as high of a ceiling. Right. But also with this, you're not going to get a more balanced guy later in the draft. You can find – almost a power only guy later in the draft with, with Nolan Jones, you at least get that balance of power speed with probably a decent batting average that Adolis isn't going to give you as much as Nolan Jones probably will. So who did you take in the first time? I took Tatis. So right now my team is Tatis Burns Gunner. And I'll tell you what, I think I'm leaning Jones definitely over at least just because I just naturally like Jones better. Is CJ Abrams? Uh, it has nothing to do with your argument, Raymond. <laughs> though Jake did, though though Jake was definitely more energetic in, in his side, but he didn't sit in a car for eight hours either. So, <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm absolutely exhausted. All right. All right, so moral of the story: Do both of you vote that I just take Hater and then push outfield for later? Yeah, that's what I would do. I just like in this. <laughs> Jake's like no. <laughs> in this fifteen, never what I do, but roto landscape you don't ever want to feel like you have to do something and if you don't take a closer here you're gonna have to yeah you know, we could be in the same JT boat real mutos there still too right? <laughs> if i wanted to go catcher and just kill a position but um you know what i don't know i nolan jones intrigues me but there's always the chance that he circles back around to me in the fifth. He went he went after oh no. Yeah, he went in the fourth in mine. Never mind. <laughs> All right. So you're going Jones. You're going Jones, Jake, and then Raymond, you're going Hater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Looking at the rankings, I'm thinking that if I don't go hater here, I'm almost definitely gonna have to get a closer in the fifth or sixth. Like and you're not gonna get a top tier one, so yeah. I'm going to end up with someone who, yeah, exactly. I think Do you want to I'm look just, at it? I, I think I'm just going to go hater, to be honest. You got, you convinced me on that one, Raymond, because you're getting, you're I like, getting I like, the, whereas if I was going to go the hitter, I'd go Nolan Jones for sure. But I think that there's going to be some outfielders still next time I come back around here. You're getting the last 
top tier closer rather than getting, you know, the top of a new outfield tier. That's fair. Yeah. Even though Class A is still there. <laughs> All righty. I'll go with the Stroh. He better not get hurt. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I hope not for the <laughs> you have not either. All right. I picked him. It's over. Boom. Josh Hader it is. Starting a closer run because freaking Duran and uh, Williams just went right before him. So, uh -huh. and we've got, and I've got Greg Jewett also in my draft too, and he doesn't have a closer yet. So, it might be fun to screw him over. <laughs> All right. Screw over the closer guy. You All want right, this Raymond? Raymond so I, can, I know you got to go. get out of here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys were as big of a Grady Sizemore fan as I was, but. Um, Grady Sizemore from 2005 to 2008 had 107 home runs and an 868 OPS. Every Cleveland center fielder combined since Grady left, 119 home runs and a 689 OPS. <laughs> That's bad. Thanks, Miles Straw. Yeah, I was yeah. say Miles Straw's not open them at all right now. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Miles Straw. All right. Oh, and we'll here's right one. Man. Oh, you got one another one. You know, Ooh, you know, is dipping. near and dear to my heart. The most swings and misses by an MLB hitter in any one game during the entire pitch tracking era is 13 by Javi Baez. Oh, I saw that one too. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> That's like every yeah. swing you took, he had just whiffed. Who's second? If you had to guess, I don't know. who's second? Javi You're Baez just... again with 12, probably. <laughs> yeah. That's the right answer. I was going to say, that it's got to be Joey Gallo, right? Like, I think it has oh, to be Joey yeah. Gallo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. This video or is Miguel Sano. Miguel Sano, yeah. there's another one. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace. Have fun. Later. See you. All right, starting pitchers. So we're going to talk about Tier 1 starting pitchers. My Tier 1 is Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler. I know I'm weird, right? Burns number one and Strider number three. Yeah. Your tier one is Strider, Cole, Burns. Mm -hmm. So I know the projections, they're going to lead you to Strider because of the Ks and mm -hmm. the Ks alone. And there's definitely going to be some regression in the ERA. Like his 386 ERA last year definitely recalls back for some more regression there. But I think that the reason that I like Burns more is he's going to be now on a better team with a better ballpark behind him. And even though I mentioned that he's playing in the AL East, which is actually bad for him versus the NL Central on another podcast, mm -hmm. uh, Burns just has the durability. Like he's pitching a number of innings every year. He's barely ever injured. And Strider is only in his second year and he, Despite, him, I know he's, oh, he's got the curveball now, but we don't know how good it's going to be in major league action. So for all we know, he's still just a two-pitch guy. Like we can't trust that this curveball is all of a sudden going to be Adam Wainwright curveball or something like that. So uh, what are your thoughts on this, Jake? Are, I mean, are you just pushing with the strikeouts? And where do you expect him to rack up against Cole and Burns and these other stats that matter, like innings pitched, wins, ERA, whip? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at Strider, he um, I mean, he got to 186 last year for innings pitched, you know, and, you know, what was it, two years ago, he just switched over from being a reliever. So I think those things take time as a reliever to grow the arm strength um, to, to accumulate more innings. 
Uh, I mean, if, I'm, I'm just looking at it from last year's standpoint. I mean, the K per nine, 13.5 compared to Cole and Cole's 9.5 and Burns is 9.2. Uh, I mean, if you look at other stats too, I mean, Strider beat him in FIP, XFIP. His XERA was 309. I mean, there's a big distinction between his 386 and his 309. So I kind of trust what Strider's doing. Um, even if that curveball isn't as a great pitch for him, and he has to still go back to two pitches. I mean, he's shown that two pitches can work, and a good pitcher um, that throws his hardest strider can make two pitches work effectively. Uh, he fell off towards the end of the year. I think a lot of that was just fatigue, you know. Um, that was mm -hmm. his first full season as a starter. Um, like I said, those things just take time to grow. Um, that and, so, and see, that that's the thing that pushes me to Burns, is that Burns got stronger as he went on mm -hmm. like he was the best pitcher in the second half and i don't know i think a motivated burns in a contract season like that that even if i thought they were tied like just knowing okay burns is in a contract season he wants to get paid i think i don't know is boris's agent like <laughs> uh, who, who knows hopefully he's not we're not here next year wait wait oh, where's burns gonna sign oh he's got a three-year deal <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> but um yeah, I think that just gives me the edge. And I know I'm the odd duck here, right? Like everyone's pretty much got Strider once. I'm the weird one. And I think Strider has the higher floor or the higher ceiling. But I think that Burns has the higher floor. And sometimes when you're picking a starting pitcher that high, and like the thing is, I would I don't want to pick a starting pitcher in the first round regardless. So that's right. automatically going to just X out Strider for me from the beginning because I'm not going to be that guy. But uh, like I, like we just talked about in TGFBI, Burns came all the way back to me in the second round, and I like him better than Cole, and for sure. So love yep. that. Um, so I that, that's why I have Burns ahead. Is I think he's just going to be more consistent. He's going to do better at preventing runs at the end of the day, uh, and he's probably going to get you more wins and quality. If not more wins, because the Braves are awesome, more quality starts at least. If you're in a quality starts league or a points league, because he's definitely going to pitch more innings. So that matters if you're in that type of league. And even though you're going to get point more, you know, you, you, K is equal points too. So maybe mm -hmm. it evens out uh, in a points league, but that's just my thoughts. You have Zach Wheeler in the next tier and I've got him. You saw him at four, just like me. And yeah. like, I actually, I actually struggle with it a little bit. I'm like, should I keep Wheeler in the super star tier or should I drop him down? Yeah. I mean, really, one of the one of these guys is not like the third, and I think I talked about it with Raymond before. Is maybe I should just have Wheeler in his own little tier because I definitely think he's better than a lot of the guys in the next tier, or if not better, at least a lot more consistent. So I think that's what keeps him there for me in this little range is that like he's just done the same thing over and over the last few years. And uh -huh. here's another guy whose ERA is going to go down next year. Um, so. Wheeler, just you know what you're gonna get. Steady as you go, like can't go wrong with him, really. I think. But how how do you think? Like, wh why did you drop Wheeler? Like, what made you what pushed you to drop him rather than keep him in the tier? Because I did fight that. Yeah, and that was that was for me as well. And just like those top three, I just think there's there's just a step, and 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 whatever it may be between Burns and Wheeler is that. It's just yeah, like the top three super studs, but like I would love to get Wheeler's mice too, but I see Wheeler, I see Wheeler closer to who I have next with like Gosman, you know, a guy who's who who's becoming consistent in his own right too. 
Um, and he's a guy who's going to get you some strikeouts as well. Um, and so, you know, looking between those two guys, it was, it was tough for me to put him closer. It was easier for me to put him closer with Gosman than with Burns, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense. This tier two, it's pretty big for both of us. Yours is actually bigger than mine. Um, yeah. So my tier two is Yoshi Yamamoto is number five, Kevin Gossman six, Kirby seven, Pablo Lopez eight, Logan Webb nine, Joe Musgrove 10, Freddie Peralta 11, Blake Snell 12, Tyler Glass now 13, and Logan Gilbert 14. So I go five to 14. Your tier two. You go five to what is that, sixteen or something like that? Four to four to seventeen. Yeah, four to seventeen. That's yeah, pretty I can't big. Do math. Yeah, four to seventeen. <laughs> Zach, Zach Wheeler, Kevin Gossman, Luis Castillo, Pablo Lopez, Zach Gallen. So you've got Zach Gallen in this tier where I do not. George Kirby, Freddie Peralta, Tyler Glass now, Blake Snell, Logan Gilbert, Framber. I, I like that you're as high on Snell as I am. That makes me happy. Uh, you put Framber in this tier. Astros uh-huh. fan, <laughs> Logan Webb, Aaron Nola, and Max Freed sneaking Freed back into this tier too, which I think is pretty Yama- interesting because I group Freed with some of these other guys that you have in this tier, like Framber. Yeah, where would you have Yoshi? Because I don't, I think since you've kind of threw this together pretty quick, I where's did. your Yoshi on here? Yoshi, it's it's hard for a guy that we haven't seen in the MLB yet. But everything about him coming over, the money he gets, makes me want to put him high. Um, I'm tempted to put him behind Kevin Gosman. Um, just between Gosman and Castillo on my list, probably looking at it, or somewhere in between Gosman, Castillo, Pablo. But in front of Zach Gallen. Yeah. So you're going to have him, yeah, in that, what is that, it's five to eight range or something like that? Roughly, yeah. Yeah, that's about where he's going. I mean, sometimes I've been seeing him drop a little bit in some leagues. I think people are just afraid in like some of the bigger leagues, uh-huh. you know, to be the one to drop in on a guy who's never pitched in the MLB before. Exactly. But we have seen him pitch against MLB players, so that is one thing that makes me happy. That's true. Yeah. Um. So I've got Yoshi here, and this top of the top of the tier here, and. I know he's six-man rotation. I just wanted to talk a little bit about this Dodger six-man rotation and what that does to Yamamoto. But I actually think that this is good news if you have any of these pitchers. Because we've got Glass now, who gets hurt all the time. we got Yamamoto, who's used to pitching in a six-man rotation. And we just watched Senga get hurt not pitching in a six-man rotation, right? So I think having Yoshi in the six-man rotation is going to be good for him. It's going to be good for Tyler Glass now. It's going to be good for... Otani, when Otani comes back next year, Walker Bueller he's, coming back. This yeah, it's going to be well. good. Exactly, going to be good for Walker Bueller and Clayton Everyone. Kershaw and uh-huh. Dustin May. All these guys coming off injury, and then the other guys you've got all rookies, right? So you, yep. you've got Bobby. like, uh, yeah, and Bobby Miller, Sheehan. So I think it's going to be great for all these guys, and this is going to be better for them. So it's probably going to keep these guys a little bit healthier, even uh-huh. though yeah, you're not going to get two start weeks. And most of the time. So that kind of sucks if you're in a head to head, but in, if you're in a road league, it doesn't even matter. It's like, okay, right. you're going to get what two starts last over the course of a season or something. It's like two or three starts last over the course of the season, something like that, but yeah. they're more likely to stay healthy. And that's more important to me. So as far as the six man rotation, like I'm cool with it. It doesn't affect where I'm drafting any of these guys at all. And if anything, I think it benefits where I'm going to draft them. Like it makes me more confident 
drafting Tyler Glass now, the fact that he's in a six-man rotation. Um, yeah. But Yamamoto, I talked a little bit about it. I did correlation tables for all these Japanese guys coming over, and I basically took every pitcher since like 2000 that's come over to the U.S. and weighed what they did from their last three years in Japan and then their first year in the U.S. Not the first three years, but what I'm expecting the first year jumping over. So that gives us a good idea maybe of what Yamamoto and some of these other guys are going to be like when they come over. And Yamamoto in my F scores ranks out with the highest ceiling of any pitcher in, of any starting pitcher, including Spencer Strider. Now his stuff isn't up there. Like his F stuff for me is 113, whereas Strider's is 131. But the control is insane. Like he's basically got like George Kirby-ish control. Then he's got Kevin Gossman-like stuff. And then he's also very good at preventing runs and he's pitching in an insane, you know, Dodgers ballpark team. Like he's going to get a ton of runs with that team. So, uh, yeah, I'm very high on Yamamoto and I'm expecting good things. And I'd be shocked if we don't see that. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, like what you said, I like the, I'd rather them have a six man rotation that keeps them healthy and they miss a couple starts, then them get injured and miss a month of starts. I think that's the biggest thing that you hit on. Um, and then the upside, like you said, I mean, I'll just go back to it. There's a reason he got paid this much to be the billion-dollar team with, with Shohei. Um, mm-hmm. they, they know that he's going to get outs and be effective. Um, so, yeah, I like him. I like the upside. I, I'm curious to see how he pitches this season and, like, see it on TV, see it in games. Yeah, so I have these next three, Gossman, Kirby, Lopez, back-to-back-to-back. And to me, when choosing these guys, it's Ks versus ratios. And I noticed that you dropped, I think, Kirby a little bit. You might not, with Kirby as your, what do you have him as, your number eight starter? I got, yeah, eight, nine. With Yoshi in there, I think you got him at nine. So if Kirby is your number nine starter, you're probably not even going to get him. (laughs) Like at that no. price. Yeah. Interestingly. So obviously Kirby is not miss, is going to miss out on the strikeout stuff, but you're going to get maybe right. a better whip and a better ERA from him. And then you've got Lopez who might be like the middle guy and the Gaussman is going to be like the higher strikeout guy, but his control might be the worst just because his main pitch is the splitter and it comes and goes sometimes. So like between those three, like what types of leagues are you looking to take the safe bet like Kirby in? versus taking just the strikeouts every time or or maybe you just do you just split and split the difference and go Pablo most of the time like if you had to pick between those three and like what types of leagues are are you leaning each way or are you just always going Gossman each time I usually go in Gossman I was actually in an AL only draft last night and I paid up to get Gossman as my ace um and I was able to actually back him up with Framber Valdez who I thought provided some nice stability to what Gossman provides um we're just kind of limiting uh, runners and whatnot. But, uh, no, I, I like Gosman. I think, like I said, he's kind of proven his position these last couple of years. He's going to be a guy that gets you high strikeouts. Um, you know, and everyone has some some blow-up starts here and there. And Pablo, it's still in the back of my mind with the shoulder injury. I know he's done it two years now, but shoulders are just extremely scary for a pitcher. And so uh, – Though I, I still have him high, but yeah, Gosman, he's just kind of my guy. Yeah. You know, this is one thing too, that I just think in the back of my mind, 
I don't want Kirby as my ace. Like, right, exactly. He just doesn't just feel don't. like an ace. Yeah, even though he's going to be awesome support-wise, like he doesn't get enough Ks to be an ace. So if I'm drafting my per- first pitcher, I'm way more likely to go Gossman or Pablo. But if I'm, like, let's say I'm lucky enough that I already have one of these other pitchers, I'm doing pocket aces, or I'm in a keeper league and I've already got myself, uh, you know, Burns or Cole or whatever, then I'm probably more likely, or especially Strider. If I have Spencer Strider already in, like, a keeper league or something, I'm way more likely to go Kirby with this as the second pitcher just to kind of stabilize some of the ratios where Strider might give up some extra homers or whatever like that. Then Strider's more likely to keep the width down and keep the ERA down and strike and Strider's K's will make up the, for the K's that you're not getting with Kirby. So I think Kirby's a really good pairing to have with other types of pitchers like that. Like, like later Blake Snell, I think he's really good to have with Blake Snell to help with his blowups, you know? So I think Kirby's a good mm-hmm. pairing option and maybe not an ace option is how I'm kind of looking at him going into a lot of drafts. Yeah. Joe Musgrove. This is a guy that I think is just super underrated and you don't even have him in this tier. So yeah, I I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna state his case real quick. Um, he's always really good. Even last year when he was hurt and the injury is a little concerning. And I know if he didn't have the best start spring, so it's like, people are like, Ooh, I don't know about Musgrove, but this dude is on it every year. He pitches a lot of innings every year until last year. For instance, 2020 or 2019 before COVID, 170 innings. 2021, 181 innings. 2022, 181 innings. And then last year, even hurt, he pitched 97 innings in 17 games, which is about a 180 inning pace if he was to pitch his normal workload of 30 whatever starts. So I'm not expecting really any issues with Musgrove this year. He's really good at preventing runs. Uh, the Padres are in a nice park for pitchers. He's got a really good defense behind him, maybe the best defense in baseball, uh, statistically. And he has a lot of control. He's always been a high-control guy. And there's just not a lot of variance. Like, for instance, his Sierras since 2020, 350, 369, 345, 377. So last year was the worst one. Uh, his whip has been under 115 each of the last three years. And his K minus walk rate has been over 19% over the last four years. So I just think that people are sleeping a little bit on Musgrove here. Like, I don't know. Snell over Musgrove? To me, like, Musgrove is a much safer pitcher. We don't even know where Snell's going to end up yet. Glass now over Musgrove? I, I expect Musgrove to be healthy or have a better chance of being healthy than Glassnow, even with the six-man rotation. Even though Glassnow might have better stuff per inning, uh, Glassnow's average is like 80 or 90 innings per season. And right. Musgrove's, like we just said, is like 180. So um, that's why I've got Musgrove as high as I do. And I think that he's an excellent bargain in leagues right now. I think what it is for me, kind of looking at these pitchers, is my tier two is guys I would be okay if I had to have him as my number one pitcher and why I have guys like Snell, why I have guys like glass now over him is because if I'm getting a pitcher this high um, and probably reaching for them in the draft, I want some really high upsides. Um, and so that's like Snell, he's going to provide you with really good strikeouts in glass now. And I just think later when you get 
down towards pitchers in your later tiers and you're filling out your third, your fourth, your fifth pitchers, you can almost find special guys that you can pair. Um, you can find some safer ERA guys, and that's hard to say with this environment, but safer ERA, ERA guys, safer whip guys, um, as long as you can get some strikeouts early, or if you're like George Kirby and you have some really good uh, whip and ERA peripherals and you get that really early on. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it when I'm building and drafting my teams is like that tier two and tier one are like, I want one or two of these guys coming out of it. Yeah. Kirby and glass now would be a nice pairing. If you can manage that, you just have to bear down that you're going to have to draft Kirby ahead. So even if you see glass now as your one and Kirby's your two, you pretty right. much have to pick Kirby in like the third and then glass now in the fourth or something like that to make it happen. And the difficult thing, I mean, seeing in TGFBI, I'm, I think we both talked about some pitcher runs and it's hard to get two of these guys. I, I don't think it's like, I'm not going to have it. There's some teams that have loaded up on three pitchers, but um, you know, in leagues like that, I think, you know, Hey, if everyone's going to go pitcher, you know, zig when others people's egg, you know, load up on your hitting and find some deals later in pitching. Cause there are some guys that, are going to emerge more for pitching than hitting, I think, because there's always pitchers being called up. There's always these these arms that – because arms get hurt more than hitters, and so there's going to be more that cycle in and some that could improve and impress throughout the season. Yeah, you got to spend your fab at some point, right? You get 1000 bucks, and you got to use it sometime. Um, Peralta versus Snell versus Glass now. These guys are all yeah. very similar to me because they're all just super high K guys, and it's just like per inning. Right. So like obviously I'm going Peralta Snell Glass now. Whereas you guys you go Peralta Glass now Snell. And you've got them all tiered up right next to each other too. So I think we're kind of on the same page quite a bit with these guys. Um, but I just want to talk about like ADP wise. Like Peralta and Glass now are going significantly higher in most of these industry drafts or NFBC drafts or whatever so far than Snell. Like, do you think how much of that do you think is Snell not being signed yet. And then how much do you think is just like Snell is weird because he walks a ton of guys, but then like he doesn't give up damage, even though he walks a ton of guys and he strikes a lot of guys out. So he's kind of just like, he's kind of like a, I don't know what you call that. He's like an outlier of a pitcher because there's not that many guys can get away with those kind of walk rates, but he does. And he, he's done it a number of times now. I mean, he's won two Cy Youngs with what he does. So, um, I think part of it is obviously him not signing. Secondly, I mean, there's parts last year where there was talks about dropping Snell. Like, he was performing that bad. If the strikeouts aren't happening, like, he's hurting you. He's, he's not helping you in any other way if, if, you know, if you can't get strikeouts. And um, I think Chris Towers put it really good on, on their podcast of, you know, when people are high on Snell, then then you sell them. And when, or when they're low, you buy them. Um but for his price compared to the other guys, yeah, I mean, you just have to find, like I said, someone to pair him with. I'm really big on, like, pairing pitchers together in a, in a roto type of league, um, unlike points, where points, it, it's not going to really matter who you get because it, re it resets week to week. Yeah, just get more points. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need to get do. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Yep. Logan Gilbert. I like that you have Logan Gilbert as high as you do because I'm such a Logan Gilbert fan. And then I've been listening to rates and barrels hearing, you know, also being a Logan, yeah. Logan Gilbert fan and saying how the, the new stuff plus, cause he updated the stuff plus puts Logan Gilbert quite a bit higher. So that makes me a little excited and happy 
because yeah, it was weird that his stuff plus was like rating is like a one Oh one or something. I'm like, how is he so good all the time then? <laughs> like he's always good. Uh, I like Gilbert a lot. He's the last pitcher in this tier for me of, you know, tier two guys that would potentially be an ACE. Um, he's just very solid pitches, a ton of innings, very consistent, but then he gets more case. He's almost like a, I don't know. Would you call like, I guess you have him ranked higher. Would you, would you could just call Logan Gilbert, like a better Logan Webb, maybe like a Logan Webb with better stuff. Yeah. With more strikeouts basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have Webb ranked higher. I think just because of the inning, like he talk about innings, like Gilbert oh pitches innings, but yeah. Webb, Webb is just an insane <laughs> every year. Just innings, innings, innings. Um, but yeah, I, I love Logan Gilbert. I think he's someone that you can have at a nice discount. So my tier three, we're going to kind of bounce back here between your tier two and my tier three because our tiers are a little bit different. So my tier three is a little bit smaller. It's almost like half of your tier two is part of my tier three. So we've got, I've got number 15, Zach Gallen, who you have in tier two. I've got 16, Grayson Rodriguez, who is in your tier three. I've got 17, Bobby Miller, who's in your tier three. I've got 18, Aaron Nola. Nola is in your tier two. two. Luis Castillo, I have at 19. And yeah. Castillo is in... Six. He's my tier two. He's he's up there. I just... Yeah, yeah. You, I'm so down on him for some reason, and it's just the F-scores. Like, if people ask me, I wouldn't even know why I'm down on him. It's just that the F-scores like other guys better than him, and that's why. Uh, number 20, Tariq Skubal, who is in your tier yeah. three. And then 21, Zach Eflin. And you have Eflin like kind of far down in your tier three. You're just not an Eflin guy this year, I guess, huh? The, that's one of the guys that probably needs to be moved up when I was throwing together this list last second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll talk We'll talk about him in a second. So yeah. I want to talk about Zach Allen for a second because you've got him in tier one and I've got him in tier two. Or you've got him in tier two mm-hmm. and I've got him in tier three. Gallon was a tale of two halves last year. It's, it hasn't been talked about that much because he was still finalist for the Cy Young. But his second right. half was pretty bad. Like in, in the first half, he was maybe the best pitcher in baseball in the first half, or at least the best pitcher in the National League. The first half of last year, I guess, maybe besides Strider. I don't even know. Like he was so good in the first half. But the second half, it really came back and bit him. So what do you think here with Gallon? Do you think – like I'm – this is the thing is everyone is so concerned about Kyle Bradish's UCL injury, blah, blah, blah. But like Gallon had the same thing like two years ago, and here he is still pitching 240 innings or whatever he did last year. So uh, when you include the playoffs, so like I don't know, maybe that UCL is finally, uh, you know, chickens coming home to roost or something with him. I don't know, but like I'm a little concerned about that second half. Concerned enough that I dropped him down into that tier three, despite the good numbers being, you know, the, the final numbers being good. Yeah, and 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 for me, it's just he's kind of had a little bit more of a proven track record. Um, yeah, bringing up the UCL, um, that's one of those things. And I, you know, I said it about um, um, who did I say about the um, what you call earlier? But uh, yeah, Gallon. He he's. I mean, if you look at ADP where he's going, if you put him that low, you're just not going to get him at the same time. So. Uh, I just had to kind of move them up to to meet that and be able to get them. And, and frankly, I'm still not getting him uh, at that price. So 
47, yeah. almost a 50% hard hit rate in the, in the second half as well. So yeah. just kind of looking at stats. Yeah. I mean, it's probably something that's fallen off for him. So. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm just really concerned about that workload. Like when I see pitchers work that much, especially when he had a previous injury, it's like red flags all over the place. That's just a guy I probably will be avoiding this year. I just don't really see myself buying him, especially at his cost. Uh, next grouping here, G-Rod and Bobby Miller. We both have Grayson Rodriguez ranked ahead of Bobby Miller. Even though my F scores actually lean a little more toward Bobby Miller being better than Grayson Rodriguez. And I know Eno is huge with Bob, on Bobby Miller this year. Yeah. And like the reason I have Grayson and I think most people have Grayson ahead of Bobby Miller, maybe you'll feel me slightly, maybe even by like one pick is just, I think his pedigree is just going to win. <laughs> like that's about yeah. it. They both have, that's they exactly both have awesome arsenals. They both have awesome arsenals. They're both really good. They both had stellar second halves. I mean, Bobby Miller's on the Dodgers. Grayson's on the Orioles. They're both on good teams. I think when it comes down to it, it's just, Grayson has the better pedigree and was the higher range prospect. So I'm going to lean that way a little bit more. So he has a better ballpark too. If you need something else to kind of put him over. So yeah. Yeah. I, and I think they're both going to be awesome. They're, they're, they're going to be so much fun this year. Um, Aaron Nola versus Luis Castillo. So you have Castillo so much higher than me. So this is just a comp that like for you doesn't even make sense, but uh, <laughs> no, Nola has home run problems. But when he, besides that, like his underscoring, like his underlying metrics are so good. Like his yeah. Sierra and his XFIP are always so much better than like what he actually puts out there. And his K minus walk rate is always great. So it's just like, there's always just weirdness with Nola where I feel like it's maybe like an every other season type thing with him. For some, some years, the stat, like the underlying metrics line up with what he actually does. And then some years he just gives up too many home runs or, the Phillies defense is just so bad that like his, his career K rate is 27.2% and his career K minus walk is over 20%. That's insane. 113 career whip and his career uh, Sierra is 348. So this is just a guy who's been excellent for like almost 10 seasons in a row now, nine seasons, I think. Yeah. Almost 10 seasons in a row now uh-huh. for Aaron Nola. So you know, like everything speaks to him being really good and I just can't push him down that far. And then even though I have him at 18, but then Luis Castillo, you know, like I said, I just, it's not like I don't like him. It's just that my F scores like all these other guys that we've talked about better than him for one reason or another. Maybe my F scores think Bobby Miller and Grayson Rodriguez have a higher ceiling than Castillo. Maybe. How much, how much do your F scores weigh in? like two seasons ago because Luis Castillo really made a, a change when he came to the Mariners and, and, and they kind of taught him some things. I mean, you see the numbers really improve once he gets uh, to Seattle. As far as weights, the second half and the first half or the, the second half in the last season are over 60% of the weight. Okay. Um, and then I want to say two seasons ago, cause I'm doing this offhand right now is like 20 or 25%, somewhere in that range. Three seasons ago, it was only like 10%, and then the career is like 10 or 15% or something like that. So the majority of the weight is on the last season and the last second half. So as far as Castillo, I don't know. Like, 
what is not, I don't think it's, like I said, I don't think it's anything that's just not liked. I just think that I like a lot of these pitchers <laughs> and, and I like the young guys more maybe than Castillo. Like I, I'd rather take a risk on Bobby Miller and Grayson than Castillo. So, and my escorts want to too. So it's not just me being like a prospect guy that wants to push up all the young guys. Right. Like a lot of other prospect guys are. So it's actually backed up by the numbers a little bit there. Um, I don't know. So like, I just think, I think he's definitely a top 20 starter. I just, to me, he just doesn't scream top 10 or eight. Talking about like how you were with Kirby. I'd rather have Kirby as my ace than Castillo. Hmm. So maybe it's yeah, personal no. preference. And it's just <laughs> probably someone you're not going to get because he's going off the board as like the seventh overall in average ADP amongst all pitchers. So, I mean, he's 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 pretty high up there and going what thirty second overall on average and average ADP. So he he's still going pretty high, you know, top three rounds. Yeah, well, when we have the fantasy ace ball invitational draft, then you know that's a guy that I'm probably not going to be in on. <laughs> you're gonna have a chance. Save your money for Yamamoto or whoever yeah. else is out there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tariq Skubal. I have Skubal. This is a big one this year. I've got him at 20 and you've got him at 22. We're on the same page with Skubal. Yep. How about that? Uh, so Skubal schedule concerns. Like you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of this. The schedule you had last year was easy. Are you concerned about the innings too? Like I'm sure everyone had kind of has the same concerns with him because he just blew people away last year. He had an insane second half, but like, how real is it? Like, you know, he's, I mean, he was good. He was always good before, but he was never even close to that good. Yeah. I mean, the injury really obviously threw him off and then coming back. But uh, uh, we talked about ballparks being really good for pitchers. Detroit's up there with one of the best, if not the best. Um, the thing is, he's still going to have a pretty relatively easy schedule. I know the whole, you know, every team plays every team, but, um, he's still playing with the Royals and the guardians and all these teams that we just don't think is going to be that good this year compared to other divisions. But I mean, 11.43 K per nine last year, he gained velocity. Um, I, I think it's, it's definitely sustainable. I don't think he's going to get to, you know, necessarily 170 innings. I think 150 is in the range for him. Probably he threw 150 in 2021, 22s when he got the injury. Right. So, you know, I, I think 140, 150 innings with that good of a K rate is going to is gonna be just good enough to be a, a sub-ace. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the future F-scores have him as a 132. So my F-scores really love his ceiling. Wow. And I did not want to rank him this high, like just offhand. Like if, if I wasn't looking at my F-scores, and someone told me, would you rather have Yuri Perez or Tariq Skubal? I'm probably just saying Yuri. Uh -huh. Like, <laughs> maybe that is the prospect thing on that note. Or like if someone asked me, would you have Cole Reagans or Tariq Skubal? I'm probably going to say Reagans. Just watching them. Just like when I watch their the way they pitch, I just like them. <laughs> like what they're doing more. So, and here's another guy. We didn't even talk about hit this. He's actually throwing harder too this spring. I think he, he was hitting like 100 or something like that this spring. So, um, just another thing to watch out for there, but yeah, my F scores love him. I'm concerned about the innings for sure. And that second half last year is just going to skew everything about him. So like, just 
whenever you're buying Scooble, just take it with a grain of salt that second half, I think, and say, hey, could he do this again? Probably not to this level. But if you take that and then the last season, maybe he does something in the middle, like that's probably pretty doable. So, um, Zach Eflin, last guy I have in this tier. I call him a cheaper Logan Webb. And like I said, uh, you got him in the whole next tier down, but at all the way at 24, whereas I've got him at 21. So Eflin, 136 F control is the second in all of baseball to George Kirby for control. And obviously he was really good at preventing runs. And this is the thing too, talking about uh, weights, right? Like Eflin was awesome last year. And before that, he's just like, meh, like, number four starter or whatever. Several seasons so. before that too is, it's, you know, looking at him, like it kind of just emerged out of nowhere for Eflin. Like he always had these couple interesting starts here and there with Philly. But I mean, last year with Tampa, it just, he just kind of blew up. Yeah. I mean, even with Philly. So like the COVID season, he was actually awesome. He had a 28.6% K rate, the COVID season, 22.4% K minus walk rate. Um, I think uh, the biggest thing for Eflin is just this, he's finally healthy. Like it's health. And then just Rays figured out what the Rays are such a smart team. Like they just take guys and then they fix their pitch mix. And like, we're already hearing like everyone, everyone this year, if you're not buying in Pepio, you're crazy. Like Pepio's skyrocketing. He's never really even done anything just because the Rays got him. Right. So like everyone's learned now, okay, buy the, when the Rays buy someone, get them, mm-hmm. you know, you, you watch with Eflin, they, they did the same thing with all these relievers, Rasmussen and Springs and uh, Glass now. They fixed Glass now. Uh, mm-hmm. Savali, the, Savali was better, like drastically better whenever they brought him over. And now you've got Pepio going over there. So it's just a race thing. And I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be good. I just always get concerned about race pitchers staying healthy because they always seem to get hurt. Is the yeah. I don't know if it's the, the race push him to the limit or it's just – the Rays are taking all these already injury prone guys. And then, so they're just bound to get hurt again because they're already all injury prone in one way or another. So I don't really know what it is, but Rays pitchers just like everyone's talked about the Rays IL rotation is just insane. So. Yeah, no, we, what was it last year? Like Rasmussen Springs, McClanahan Boz. Yeah. You'd be cool yeah. with that as your, as your rotation right now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah. So Eflin, are you moving? How far would you move him up? Like, would you move him in the next year? Or are you bumping ahead of because your next year is still pretty solid? So. Yeah, I. Let's see. He's he's in my third tier. See, I have him just below like Cole Reagans and ahead of Jesus Lazardo and ahead of Tanner Bybee. And and really, I I love Tanner Bybee. But I can't put them above those guys. I would still keep them in that tier. I just love the upside of everyone above him: Reagan's, Miller, Yuri, Tariq, Grayson. Mm-hmm. I just, for me, I can't move them above those guys just because I like the upside of of pitchers. Yeah, I get it. All right, my tier four, bumping down. My tier four is huge. Your tier yeah, four, that. yeah, your tier four is. It also just kind of huge. Falls off. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, your, your tier four is just everything. So we'll just talk it's about my tier else. four. <laughs> yeah, it's everything else. 
<laughs> you just prepped notes for the podcast. So my tier yeah. four, uh, 22, Sonny Gray, 23, Framber, which you would have a little higher. 24, Jesus Lazardo, 25, Yuri Perez, 26, Tanner Bybee, 27, Dylan Cease, 28, Cole Reagans, who I actually, now that he's even th- keeping consistent with the velocity, I might be moving him higher. Uh, and he's just fun, too. 29, Max Freed, 30, Gavin Williams, 31, Michael King, 32, Justin Verlander, 33, Shane Bieber, 34, Joe Ryan, 35, Hugh Darvish, 36, Bryce Miller, 37, Brian Wu, 38, Kyle Bradish, 39, Jose Barrios, 40, Walker Bueller, and 41, the unsigned Jordan Montgomery. (laughs) So that is a big tier. And I broke these down into little mini tiers. So we're going to talk about these little mini tiers. First little mini tier I have here is the run prevention mini tier. I've got Sonny Gray versus Framber versus Bybee versus Freed. And you had Freed and Framber up ahead, another tier. Um, I'm taking Sonny Gray ahead of Framber because I think Sonny Gray has a higher strikeout upside. And I think him going to St. Louis is only going to help him because he's it. Sonny Gray is a career, I want to say like 56% ground ball rate guy or something like that. Let me bring that up real quick. And the Cardinals have Nolan Arenado and Mason Wynn and Paul Goldschmidt all playing back there, all gold glovers. Uh, let's see, where is that? Career ground ball rate. As I look that up real quick. I would say just last year, he had a 47. Point, yeah, 51.1% is his career ground ball rate. So over 50%. And I think that's just going to really play up in St. Louis. Also, St. Louis is one of the worst ballparks for hitters. So it's also just going to keep the ball in the yard because Sonny's had home run problems in the past, but Uh he's also pitched in Yankee Stadium in Cincinnati. So um, I'm expecting the best version of Sonny Gray, and he's got that sweeper now too. So he's going to get some Ks. And I think I like Framber a lot. I just think I'm taking Sonny Gray because I like the K upside a little bit more. And that's not, I'm not trying to be a homer here. I mean, Sonny Gray has never pitched a single game as a Cardinal before, but I just like that K upside a little bit better. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying. I just I'll raise your what was it 51 percent career for Sonny Gray to Framber 62.9. I mean, he has just insane you know ground ball rates, and he's he, that's that's how he's preventing runs. Um, has a decent. He doesn't have as good of a defense behind them but when you're throwing 62.9 percent ground ball rate and most of them aren't getting into the outfield and you got good enough gloves to get it to first that's really all you need uh and you talk about framber's strikeout downside i mean he got to 200 last year he got to 194 the year before that you know so i mean he he's not going to be a guy that's going to be a, a shoe in for 200 plus strikeouts but if he can get you high 100s and get you close enough to 200 like he's done the past two years i think that's going to be good enough with the run prevention with you know how much of a ground ball percent pitcher he is let me throw you on here Shros fan um sure they're losing maldonado who was the catcher for a lot of these pitchers for years yeah. And Yanir Diaz is an offensive catcher. Like, is this going to have an impact on the Stroh's pitching this offseason? I think – Well, I think the reason Dusty was really big on making Maldonado the, the starting catcher, which I was not a fan for, but it was because his work with the pitchers. And I think having that mentorship for a year um, in front of Yanir 
I think Madonna was able to pass on some stuff. They signed Victor Carantini. He's been around the league for a while too, and so he could probably give some some tips and whatnot to Yanir as well and how to work with pitchers. Um, you know, and a lot of the the metrics that were shown towards the end of the year was Maldonado's defensive skills as, as far as framing uh, was actually less than Yanir's. So I'd have to pull – I don't have them in front of me, but I remember seeing a graph about that somewhere. I think that's just something a young catcher is going to have to grow into, though, um, is working with those pitchers. You got a veteran presence like Verlander who's going to help them with that too. So I think they got good enough pieces around there to make it work. Yeah. So Max Freed. I've usually been the Max Freed guy. I usually have Freed ranked in like the 12 to 15 range. But coming off the injury, I'm just very concerned as far as like, okay, first is injury concerns. And then he's got, he's playing for a contract this year. I see him try to like, where I'm like, okay, yeah, Corbin Burns play for the contract. But for Freed, I'm almost like, is he going to push himself to some sort of unhealthy level because he wants to go get the biggest contract this year? And he's coming off an injury. Like it, it actually concerns me a little more. Like if, if he was a contract, if next year was his contract year or something like that, then I feel a little bit better. But like, I think this is a contract year guy that I'm not going to be buying on just because he's coming off that injury. And it's, it just scares me a little bit. I don't know about what your thoughts are on that. You know, without really looking at him and kind of just glance at him now, I, he's not as big of a K per nine guy as I thought. He doesn't even get a K per nine. Um, the past couple of years, except for last year when it was shortened. But um, yeah, I mean, 185 was his career high in 22 before that 165 and, and way less. So I don't know, just when he pitches, I feel it's, it's always the, when he pitches, if he pitches, you know, that's kind of the range that we're going to start getting to with some of these guys. But when he pitches, he's an effective pitcher. Who's probably going to get you a lot of wins when he does pitch. You know, and that's that's one thing looking at these pitchers is what team are they pitching on and wins is a category. Um, and if you can get a guy who's going to pitch and get you a win every fifth day or so, it's palatable. It's just a matter of, like you said, him staying on the field. Yeah. Why do you have Bybee ahead of Sonny Gray? Just because I love Bybee. I don't know. I was I was one that bought in in one of my leagues on Bybee. He's the, the shinier new toy. Gray's the old man. You know, and, and Gray has his, his ups, but, you know, there's a stretch where Gray was just kind of being bounced around teams, too, and figuring it out, tinkering. Gray's kind of a tinkerer. Yeah, he is. He also had the best sweeper in baseball last year. And yeah. you, you, it's so because nobody can see this except for me. You make these beautiful spreadsheets that are very color-coded with – dark green is awesome. And then like bright red is bad. And it's like bright dark green all the way down to light greens and red. And Sonny yep. gray has a lot more dark green on it than your boy Tanner Bybee here, but you saw Bybee one spot over him. I just love Bybee, man. I, <laughs> it's it's one of those bias <laughs> things. It's like how you have Castillo so low. Yeah. I have to have Bybee higher. It's, it's just kind of one of those things for me. <laughs> I get it. All right. High K's Lizardo versus Yuri versus Cease. First Reagans. Uh, you have Dylan Cease all the way down in another tier below. Is he my at, no man's well, land where I didn't bring him up? Yeah, you got him at like 29. And I've got I've got Dylan Cease at 27. So it's only a couple spots apart. But where do you draft these four guys? Because all four of these guys are just super K guys to me. Yep. And 
I think that they're all volatile too, at the same point, they all have a lot of risk. Like C Scott gets hit up sometimes, but he's probably going to pitch a ton of innings and he's definitely going to get another, a lot of K's. Like C's is almost like our modern Robbie Ray at this point. Uh-huh. Um, and then Lazardo is like, oh, he's always hurt, but he finally had a healthy year. And then Yuri, oh, he's 21 years old. He's going to pitch more innings. How many innings? And then Reagan's the double Tommy John. Now he's throwing 101 from the left side or whatever. So it's like all these guys have such high risks. Like, who? Wh- where are you drafting these guys? Are they, are they your number two starter? Your number three starter? Like, are you? W- would you be feel okay drafting one of these guys as your number two starter? And then, like, on top of that, like, versus the run prevention guys, you were talking about pairing guys. So does a lot of it depend mm-hmm. on who you draft as you're ahead of them on which of these groups you're going to go with the run prevention group versus the high K group. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. I have yeah all these guys in my, my tier three actually is where I have them all just because I would be okay. Like if I just really went heavy, heavy hitter and these guys had to be my number one pitcher, I would be okay with it, but I'd really have to make up ground later on. Um, so that's kind of how I viewed my tier three and why it's a little bit bigger. But um, one thing with two of these guys, both being on Miami, I think I haven't really heard this being brought up, but do we have to kind of look at these guys, how we looked at Philly's pitchers a couple years ago with the bad defense? I mean, Miami doesn't have that great of a defense. They got, you know, Berger at third mm-hmm. to Manderson, Luis Arise, De-, De La Cruz out there, Josh Bell at first. Does that hurt them? Does that lead to more runs potentially? I mean, I remember what was it just last year, two years ago, we were moving Phillies guys down because they had a notoriously bad defense. Yeah. Well, the good thing is the Marlins also still have a really good ballpark. Yeah. So, I mean, at least I think the ballpark, the good ballpark, because it's, I mean, we're at sea level here in Miami. It's like one foot above sea level. So, so like, that ballpark is going to help neutralize some of that bad defense risk, but yeah, it's a terrible defense. That is, yeah. that is a hundred percent sure. Um, and a very good point. So your rankings, while I have Lazardo, Yuri sees Reagan's, I think yours goes Yuri Reagan's Lazardo cease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, yeah. Cease is in a whole nother, he's in my fourth tier and yeah, Yuri and Reagan's and Lazardo are each separated by a pick. So, yeah, it depends for me for Cease, it depends on the type of league. Like if you're in a points league, I'm gonna yeah. probably push Cease up. And if you're in a deep league, I'm probably like a deep roto league, I'm probably gonna push Cease up. But if you're in head to head, I think I like those other guys better in a head to head just because they're gonna be better on like a per week basis and you can play matchups and stuff like that a little more. Um that's just my thoughts on it. Uh well, if you're in a head to head I was gonna say if you're in a head to head, you put Reagan's over all of them then because he's Sparp eligible. Yeah, if you're in head-to-head points, then Reagan's. If you're in head-to-head cats, then I I don't know. If I, you're in a dynasty league, I'm still picking Yuri out of all of them for sure. Yeah. Like, not close. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Yep. Uh, these guys, washed up or value? I've got Verlander, Shane Bieber, who went to, uh, what's it called, driveline, and uh-huh. you, Darvish. Are you, like, wh- how do you rate these three guys? We're getting close to an hour and a half, so let's speed it. Uh, yep. Washed up or value? Verlander, Bieber, Darvish. Um, I think you can find value, Verlander, value, Bieber, washed up, Darvish. You know, I'm going to go Bieber, value, Darvish, value, Verlander, washed up. I think this is the year for him. He's like turning 43 or whatever. I don't know. This might be his Adam Wainwright year. 
I'm a is Kate concerned. Upton to come home to every day? That motivates him. <laughs> Maybe I'm a. I don't know. He's a freak of nature, like Tom Brady's, yeah. but I'm I'm still a little concerned. Uh, underrated young guns: Gavin Williams, Bryce Miller, and Brian Wu. How do you rank them? I've got Williams, Miller, Wu. How do you rank these three? I love them all. Um, I I think I have it in the same order you do: Williams, Miller, Wu. Nice. Uh, any concerns about any of these guys? Michael King, Joe Ryan, Kyle Bradish, Walker Bueller. Like, let, give me numbers. Give me numbers of concern, one to ten. Michael King. Uh, one being low. One being low. Ten being, or, or one being you're not concerned, and ten being uh, you're not drafting him. Basically. A three for Michael King. Yeah, uh, I think I'm about there with you. I, I think he's going to pitch 140, 150 innings this year. Yeah, with good strikeouts and over seven, eight. I don't like his home runs, and I don't know. I feel like he's kind of dropping off each year. Yeah, I th- I'm going to go like I, I'm just going to like add one point for him. I'm not that concerned. I think like a four for Ryan. Okay. Um, but I'm not drafting him where he's going. I just think he's not Correct. a good value. Uh, Correct. Kyle Kyle Bradish. Eight, nine. He's like this. He's like Singa for me, dude. I'm just not that. I, I I'm drafting Bradish over Singa easy right now. I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a five on, or actually I'm gonna put a six on Bradish. So I'm more concerned than not concerned. But I think that this is the time to buy him. I think you're gonna get good value if you can get him, especially in a dynasty league because there's just a lot of like that Gallon Bayo speak around him and Walker Bueller. I'm like a four for him. I like Walker. I, I'm buying the the bounce back. Dude, I'm like an, I think I'm like a seven with Bueller because he didn't start at the end of last year, and then now he's not going to start at the beginning of this year. That concerns me a bit. And I think I'm he's had two the, TJs too. He's, this is he, this is off his second one. I buy into that they're just saving his bullets for the later part of the season. Yeah, could be. Horses, Jose Barrios and Jordan Montgomery. Pick one. If you had to pick a horse, Jordan, which one are you riding? Jordan Montgomery. You know, I like I like Berrios. I think he's underrated. Like he's always he's never great, but he's always very good. He's almost like a better Mitch Keller or something like that. Yeah, and more more caper nine with him as well. High you know, ERA. I, I'm always gonna have a soft spot for Jordan Montgomery because he was awesome on the Cardinals, but um, I think straight up, I'm just I'm still gonna go Berrios because I think he's got better stuff in there. Even though he has a bat, like he always plays under his metrics. His under the hood stuff is always better than what his actually like final line is. I feel like um, I just I just like Monty's lower home run per nine. Yeah, for sure, and it, part of it might depend on what ballpark he goes to, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. We made it through my tier four. Your tier four is like a thousand long, so we're never gonna get that bad boy. And we already had our Raymondism. So that's it. Thanks for joining Jake. As always, you can find Jake at Jake Baseball17 on the Twitter X machine. You can find me at Fantasy Aceball. And if you want a free draft chart, just rate and review the podcast. And I have a draft cheat sheet spreadsheet that I'll send your way. Just hit me up on Twitter X or whatever the hell you want to call it and let me know that you rated us and I'll shoot it over. (laughs) All right, that's it. We'll see you next time.